0: I'm really excited about this message, and, and listen, I'm not going to apologize for this right now, and, and I'll, it's interesting to me how, um, as I'm preparing messages and getting things together, a lot of times the thought will go into uh, my mind, do they really need that? I mean, I've touched base on it so many different times. Is this something that they really need in their life? Is this going to be an encouragement, or they're going to be like, oh, it's just another Pastor Kevin message, and... I believe that the message that I'm going to bring forth this morning is going to be one of such uh, capacity and, and of such importance for you in your life that, that it's going to mend some things, that's going to strengthen some ties, it's going to heal some brokenness. But before I get into the message, I've got to give you an update. Last week, you know, I talked a lot about my, um, my van. Andrea's van. The silver bullet, also known as. And the reason why I'm bringing it up because so many of you asked me before service. So I, if you've asked me, I know it's on other people's minds too. And you know, if there's anything that deals with my life, drama follows. Okay, there's always drama and there's always humor for you. Heartache for me. All right. But I, I get a phone call, you know, Mr. Stanley, your van's ready. You can come pick it up. My wife and I, we, we venture off to Salisbury on, on Thursday, and we're excited. We're filled with joy and hope. Not really. Maybe she is. I'm not, you know. And, and we get up there, and, and I, I pull in, and I, I say, oh, Andrea, look, our van, it's parked in a normal spot. It's not in the garage. It's parked. It must be fixed. Well, I go in, and the lady, you know, the, the cashier sees me, and she's, you know, getting everything ready, and... And, and, you know, gets the driver, goes out, gets my vehicle, brings it up under the awning. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to get into this van and it ride like a million dollars. Okay. I'm expecting that the warning lights are not going to flash. And it's not going to be like, you know, a New Year's Eve spectac- spectacular on my dashboard. So I get in the van and I pull over to pull into a parking spot so we can change Things from my truck to her van, primarily car seats. And uh, so we pull, granted, I didn't get off the property yet. Pull into the parking spot. Sure enough, what happens? Lights up. Yeah, thank you. That's all I got to say. So anyway, let me finish it. So I go in and I tell them and they're like, oh, that can't be. I'm sorry, I'm blind. I am absolutely blind. I don't know what's going on here. You know what I mean? So they bring a technician out. They plug it in. Oh, well, there's a new problem. Great. Great. A new problem. And uh, so, so they, they tell me, I assure you, your vehicle will be ready Saturday. I'm like, all right, cool. Saturday morning, I get a phone call from the dealership. I'm sorry, Mr. Stanley. The parts that we sent are faulty. It won't be now ready till Tuesday. So please pray for me. <laughs> pray that my wife will allow us to get a new vehicle. I think that prayer will go in vain, unfortunately. Anyway, all right, enough of that. It has nothing to do with a message. Here we go. First things first, 2018. We're going to get right into this one. This is the last. This is the conclusion of it. This is it. These are the spiritual disciplines that I feel that God is really wanting to bring into our lives and, or is encouraging you and I to bring into our lives. And this one today really deals with relationships. And I, I've touched base on this almost every sermon series. I, I, there's a message that deals with relationships. Understand something. Relationships are very important, aren't they? We, I mean, God designed us to be hungry for relationships. God designed us to be hungry. And that's friendships. That's, you know, romantic relationships. That's, you know, um, acquaintances. He designed us to want relationship. We need relationship in our lives. I mean, after all, you know, God created man and he wanted that. Why? Because he wanted relationship. And so he placed that same desire that he has inside of mankind. And so we understand what did he do for Adam? He created Eve. Why? Because there's a desire for relationship. So what I want you to understand primarily if you walk away from this message and hear nothing else that I said, God designed relationship for your life. If he's designed it for your life, do you not think it's important that we do what we're supposed to do in those relationships? Are we not supposed to look at ourselves and be selfless? Absolutely. So much selfishness within our society. Don't you agree? So much selfishness within my own life. Hello, a van. You know, a new vehicle. It's not happening because she won't allow it because she's shellfish. No, I'm just kidding. That's so awful. I'm going to pay for that one later. Anyway, but most people have what? Uphill hopes and downhill habits, don't they? Remember, hope is great. Hope is a motivator. The Bible gives us a lot of scripture reference when it comes to hope. We need hope. I need to be motivated in life. I need to be motivated spiritually. Some of you need to be motivated to go to the gym. I'm one of them. I've got this certain man, Tom Derrickson, in my ear every time I miss it. All right? That's my motivation. Sometimes I want to slap him. All right? But that's okay. But listen, we all have things that we need to be motivated. You know, I have to stand here a lot of times, and I have to motivate you. But watch this. I'm also motivating myself. To line up with God's word. To understand that what the scriptures tell us is the truth. And if it's true, we must apply it to our everyday life. So we understand there's uphill habits, right? There's, uh, excuse me, uphill hopes, which we all have high hopes. You have high hopes for your life. You have high hopes for your kids. You have high hopes for your marriage. You have high hopes for different relationships, your job. But we have downhill habits. What are those downhill habits? Those things that pull us down that do not allow us to spring forward, so to speak, in the purpose, plan, and will of God. We have a lot of hope. Hope is good. Remember, hope is a motivator. But without action, the hope has no meaning. Remember the quote by Aristotle. He said this, and I brought this out the first week. He says, we are what we what? Repeatedly do. Think about that. In other words, who you are today... Is because of the decisions that you made yesterday. And who you're gonna be tomorrow is the decisions that you made today. You wanna know one of the greatest spiritual days of your week is not Sunday, but for the Christian church, it's normally Monday. Why? Because you've been challenged on Sunday to make a change and you go full steam ahead on Monday and then it kinda goes downhill from there. We need to be motivated. And to bring change into relationships in our lives. Um, watch this. Inspiration is great. But if action doesn't follow being inspired, then your result will always become the same. Many church settings, uh, we are inspired and, and, and we have a, a, a knack of inspiration in that service. But my goal is not to just inspire you. I don't want to just bring you a message of reflection and how you can reflect on your life and be challenged. But I want to bring a message that gets you deep down into your core. That's my purpose as your pastor, is to bring you a challenge, but make sure that challenge is bringing a change within the heart. You know I'm big on that. Before anything on the outside can ever change permanently, there must be something happen inwardly in your soul and your spirit. And in your heart. We're quick to say, oh, you know, I'm going to change this habit and I'm never going to do it again. And we'll go forth and we'll do the necessary steps to make sure we change that habit. And I'm not saying that's for everything. But a lot of times the change will happen for only a season. But when we allow God to get involved inwardly, that change doesn't have to be seasonally. It could become a permanent change. I've seen oftentimes, especially as a youth pastor... And dealing with, with, with teenagers, you know, they're very quick to respond spiritually. They really are. They're very quick to respond spiritually. They're, 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 they're motivated through the words. They're motivated when someone is sitting there speaking to them about God's word. And you do it in such a way that challenges them and they accept the challenge. Don't go forth with it. But a lot of times what happens is it's just a surface challenge. It's just a surface change. We must deal with the heart of the matter, and that is... Our heart. If you want the relationships in your life to become stronger and more personable, to become better, the change must happen within you, but it has to happen here. Uh, we, this has been a kind of our theme first throughout this uh, message series, and that's Roman, Romans 12 and 2. It says, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from what? The inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. I love that aspect of it. It says quickly respond. How many times have we done this? And and I brought this out strategically last, last week, but we feel God bringing a challenge into our lives or wanting to bring a change. Instead of quickly responding to that, what we do is we go, oh, wait a minute, let's think this through. Let's get all of our ducks in a row first. Let's make sure everything, you know... And then next thing you know, what do we do? We've convinced ourselves not to get involved. We've talked ourselves out of it and potentially missed a great blessing. Or watch this, someone else has missed a blessing because of you not responding. But it says this, quickly respond to it. Unlike this culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. You know, I don't want the church being dragged down to the immaturity of our society and our world. I'm not okay with that. I understand who I am, and this is who I am. I'm am one of God's children. God never intended me to be drugged down. If anybody's going to bring me down, it's going to be God himself. But society's not going to bring me down. My friendships are not going to bring me down. God, That's not God's plan for your life. But watch this. The scripture goes on to say, Dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So let me ask you this question. Has the best been brought out of you yet in your life? Scripture says that once the best is being pulled out of us, it develops well-maturity. But maturity needs steps, doesn't it? You know, each week we've talked about uh, different things. Uh, the first, uh, as we closed out 2000. 17, we talked about the first, the first of our week, the first of our day, our first fruits, first of our year. First of our week, what are we supposed to do? Come into the worship, come into the house of God, right? First of our day, designate time to be alone with God. First of your fruit, our 10%. First of our year, we're right in our fast right now. We do those first, and then the, the second week, we talked about controlling our thoughts. Did we not? How do we control our thoughts? Controlling them, fixing our attention on on God, you know? Um, Last week we talked about what? Getting in alignment, getting back to what God's plan and purposes for our lives. Alignment according to the gospel, according to the design that God has given us. If you recall, in the message there was a scripture that was mentioned that said, God had a plan for your life first, and then what did he do? Then he designed you. How interesting is that? In other words, you were not created, and then a purpose was brought forth. See, God's got this great thing called foreknowledge. He knows what's going to happen way before it happens, and God has plans for all things. So you being on this face of this planet was not by an accident or by happenstance or anything like that. God designed you specifically. There was a purpose designed for you before you. Today we're going to talk about this, and I think this is huge. It's a habit that will help you with all the others, but it's this. Choosing our relationships or choosing my relationships carefully. Today you are, because of the, you are who you are because of the people you have surrounded yourself with up to this point. Your relationships, decisions are the most important decisions that you potentially will ever make in your life, minus accepting Jesus Christ. Remember last week I said this, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You know, it sounds so elementary, and and that's one of the sayings I used to give to my my youth groups as I was a youth pastor. And you show me your friends, I'm going to show you your future. And then somewhere along the way, it becomes so elementary that it just gets washed away and we forget about that. Well, we as adults must be reminded of the same thing. Who are we surrounding ourselves with? Who are we allowing to impart and, and, and impart things into our lives? I'm very careful with my kids. We, um, we had a parental fail about two weeks ago. And we allow, they, Carter likes to watch a lot of YouTube, a lot of Navy stuff. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's Navy. It can't be all that bad. It can't be that bad, no, no, you know, he's watching because of his big brother, Kyle's in the Navy and he thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. And it is, it's great. But he's, he watches a lot of Navy videos. And all of a sudden, oh, whoa, wait a minute. There's some language there that was not appropriate. You know, instantly, give me that thing. Boom, we're putting a parental control on there. You know what I mean? Why? Because I want to be careful what's going into his mind so that what goes into him does not come out of him. I'm gonna challenge you with this. If you've recognized that there's a lot of filth and trash coming out of you, the source is what's coming into you. We need to be mindful of that. And who is pouring into our lives? None other than the closest relationships that we all have. Now, Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 19 says this. A mirror reflects a man's face, but he is really like is shown by the kind of friends what he chooses. You have some choices in this process. You know, you, you have the good friends who you look at, and maybe, maybe they're the godly example, and then you have the friends. I'm not going to say they're bad, but I'm going to say they might be bad for you. We're going to look at four things here, four related choices that can help us in this process. And the first one is this. We need to do this. Nurture my important relationships. Nurture means to care and, and to, to give care for and encourage the growth or development of something. Or watch this, placing an emphasis or giving care. We need this within our relationship with God. We need that within our relationship of friendships. We need that, with, watch this, in your marriage. Anything you value you work for, it requires attention, it needs maintenance. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this right quick here. Um, I received an email last, not this past Thursday, but Thursday before last, and said, uh, Pastor, it was from my boss, okay, it said, Pastor Kevin, you will uh, be Monday morning at my office for a, a new board that you're being placed on. Now, I'm going to be honest, in my mind, I was going, really, I don't need that. I got enough going on, I got my own church, I've got my family, we've got sports, you know, we've got van problems, you know, we've got all this, and I was like, I don't need, I don't even want to go to this, but I can, not you know, it's my boss, he tells me what to do, so I got to go. So, Monday morning I get into my truck, and I make my way up to Baltimore to sit in this meeting, and I'll, I'll be honest, I went in kind of closed-minded. Have you ever done that? Gone into something absolutely closed-minded, like, I don't care, some of you came in here this morning closed-minded, didn't you? Yeah open it. All right. But, but, you know, I went into the meeting kind of closed-minded, like, you know, how can I get out of this? What kind of excuse can I give to get me out that it's not alive? You know, you've been there, right? Yeah. And, and so, you know, that's, that's my mind of, that's my frame of mind in the moment. And I get in there and we're talking about a pastoral covenant, um, ministry for, for our region. And they wanted me to be a part of it. And, um, I'm sitting there hearing some examples from other pastors from other regions, from other states they brought in. And, it, you know, I'm sitting there thinking and I'm listening and I'm like, wow, you know what? This makes a lot of sense. This is, this is good stuff. This is, this is good. And so then he did this like you, you, were, you were sat in groups. There was four or five of you in a group. And you had to uh, talk about something that you would like to see happen in your relationships. How can that help you as a pastor to become better? Well, this one pastor, he he comes up and he says, you know what? I find it hard to spend time with my family, but especially my wife, over the demands and the concerns of my church. And there was this older gentleman who's no longer a pastor, but he's a retired minister. And they brought him there for wisdom. You know what I'm saying? And he shared some really cool wisdom, let me tell you. All of a sudden, and I'm glad I was in his group because all of a sudden he looked at him and says, You know what? You always designate time for your family, but more important, you always designate time for your wife over everything else. You never allow, see, my wife's not even here and I'm trying to give golden nuggets right now. Somebody tell her I'm saying good stuff. But we must nurture these relationships. We must nurture the relationships that God has given us. We must nurture your marriage. You know, I'm married to an angel. Oh, I heard the aw. That's so sweet. Every now and then she hits me with her wings, too, to knock me, you know. (laughs) But we must become intentional with, with these relationships that we're in. You know, the devil wants more than anything to break up your marriage. He wants anything to break up those close friendships that you have. They can't maintain themselves. The piece of advice the gentleman gave us is said, gentlemen, pastors, every three months you need to go away for a night with your wife. I said, Good Lord, I don't think I don't think that'll ever happen. You know, and he looked at me and goes, it needs to. I was like, ooh, my bad. I want to say this quote, I heard a pastor say. He said this, don't lead your life with feelings lead your life with choices if you are making the right choices the right feelings will follow <laughs> what kind of feelings are you having what kind of feelings that 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 are not lining up with scripture are you having in your life it's your choices what are the things you're not doing are you not getting into the word are you not having time of prayer are you not fasting what are you not doing uh, scripture here in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7-8 through 8 says, The end of all things is near, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Disunity and dissension is of the devil, but love is from God himself. Second one we're going to look at is restore my broken relationships. That's a painful process, isn't it? I'm not trying to you know, disregard the pain maybe that you have gone through. But I want you to be careful and mindful of how you are approaching or handling this broken relationship. Romans chapter 12 verses 17, 17 through 18 says this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. I can stop right there. Do not. You want to. I get it. You know that prayer, Lord, I pray for that person, but I pray you give them what they deserve. You know what I'm talking about? You've been there. Maybe you not said the prayer because you're holier than me, okay? But you've been there. I want them to feel the heartache. I want them to feel the pain. Pour it on them ten times. Mm -mm. What's the scripture says? Do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Settle it in your heart. If they won't allow peace within the relationship, you can, though, allow peace within you. Let me repeat that. If they don't allow peace within the relationship, you can still allow peace within you. That means you have done everything you possibly can to bring peace to the problem. So have you done what you possibly can do to bring peace to it? Jesus placed forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer. There's seven seven elements of the Lord's Prayer. In other words, seven elements that we need to repeatedly pray every single day. And one of those elements is forgiveness. Forgiveness of our sins, but also forgiveness of what? Those who have sinned against me. In other words, it's kind of like this. God's placing an importance here of you want me to forgive you. But are you willing to forgive someone else? Watch the scripture in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. It says this, "Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you." The last part of that scripture should be easy for us. I need forgiveness so badly that we should be willing to do that for anyone else. Who needs forgiveness? So are you superior to the other person who you're holding a grudge against? They're seeking or they're maybe desiring forgiveness just as well. You need to reach out and give forgiveness even if you think they don't deserve it. If we expect God to forgive us, then we need to expect to forgive ourselves and to offer forgiveness to others. And then here, this one, they, they kind of work hand in hand, but, but listen here. Sever any harmful relationships. You know, you guys have some toxic relationships. Think about that for a second. You've got some relationships that your life could really do without. But you feel stuck. You feel like you're, you're, you're so deep in it already, and you don't know what how to get out. You know, some of you are like, all right, Pastor Kevin, spouse is out the door. No, no. Yeah, I got to reel you in on that one, all right? We're not talking that way. But the relationships that we have allowed in our lives, and we know that they are not good for us, we need to learn to sever them. Cut them out. It includes that so-called, and I'm going to be very honest with you here, includes that so-called innocent flirtatious conversation that you may be having with someone. That must stop. That can't be. You know, there's um, social media. It came about, and it's probably the worst thing that could ever happen for marriages. A lot of relationships break up over social media. I'm going to give a story of a pastor. I heard him say this. He said he, had this, uh, he knew of this couple in the community, a husband and a wife, and they both were on social media, and they both found someone else to kind of flirt with, and then the flirting went into other things and went into deeper talks, and finally miraculously, they both decided to meet up with the person that they were talking to and neither one of them knew that the other was talking to someone. So they designated a place to go meet. They show up and who do they find? Each other. We laugh, but that was a true story. And guess what happened to that relationship? It ain't a relationship anymore. You know, I, uh, if, if you notice me, I, I encourage this. And I'm not trying to cause an argument for you guys later. Just let it go in one ear and out the other if you want to. But I encourage husbands and wives to have a joint social media account. I really do. It's important. I, I'll be, you know, here, we, I care about your marriage. I care about mine even more, okay? But I care about your marriage too. And I want it to grow and I want it to become strong. That's one of the reasons why we're offering this, you know, to go to Allen Memorial Baptist. We saw that. My wife saw that and said, this is good for our church. There might be couples there who need this. Let's go and do it. I'm like, hey, let's do it. More the merrier. You know, so if you're interested in that, make sure you sign up in, in the Connect Central after church and, or next week. But watch this. Second Timothy 2 and 2. I love this. You know, people come to me sometimes and they ask, they say, Pastor Kevin, this is the problem I'm dealing with. What do I do? This is the sin that keeps tripping me up. This is the sin that's entangling me. What do I do? Watch this. I'm going to read this. Paul is amazing wealth of knowledge through scripture. He says this in 2 Timothy 2, Flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue what? Righteousness. What? Flee. Get away. Run. Don't, don't, oh, I'm going to mosey, but keep looking. No, go. Watch this. Another scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 35, or no, 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 I'm, I jump myself here. 1 Corinthians 6 and 18, I didn't give you these scriptures, I apologize. 1 Corinthians 6 and 18 says, flee from sexual immorality. Get away from it. Some of you are uncomfortable, good. Get out of it, you don't need it in your life. God has designed you for a person. Stay with the one that God has placed in your life. Do not allow the enemy to come in and drive a wedge between you and your spouse. Do not allow the enemy to have an open window of opportunity. The person that was your past, there's a reason why they're your past. God did not design you to be with them. So stop flirting with them. Move on with who God placed in your life. Can I get an amen for that? All right. Glad you're excited. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says this. He who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools suffers what? Harm. And then 1 Corinthians 15, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. All right, we're going to move on to the next one. It says this. Initiate some meaningful relationships. Initiate them. Don't wait on it. Go after it. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, I've said this many times. We're in the last day. I believe we're the last of the last day. I really believe that. We come into this place together as the body of Christ. Some have given up on it. Don't give up on it. We are a family. We have been designed by relationship to need one another and to be with one another. You can't do this life on your own. We have to have meaningful relationships. We must have intimacy with and spiritually with God and with one another, learning of the word of God. How do you initiate the right relationship? We're going to look at four things. Number one, develop my relationship with my church. Everybody needs my church. This church or another church. I prefer this church, though. You need to belong. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says this. You are members, not just attenders, right? What does it say? You are members of God's very own family. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Don't be just a consumer of it. But be a contributor to it. When you are a member of something, what? You you take on that responsibility, don't you? You want to see it succeed. You want to see great things come about. I'm going to give you a dumb example, but my wife and I, when we were dating, we were contributors. Or no, 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 no. no. Hold on, I had that. What was the scripture? How did it go again? Oh, we were consumers. We were consumers. But when we got married, we became members. Members has its privileges, doesn't it? It also has its responsibilities, too. We are a part of this church. We have responsibilities. And that is to, I'm one person. I can't do it all. We have a select few who are in about everything we've got going on. They can't do it all. We must continue to, to, to expand our ministries and to grow. On February the 11th, I believe it is, we have our first for this year Dream Team meeting. Some of you came out to our Dream Team celebration there in in the fall, and we told you it was coming for the new year. Well, it's here. It's where we're going to allow you to sign up for different teams within our church and understand what those teams are and what they're about. It's at 5 o'clock on February the 11th. You need to come out and be a part of that. That's one way you can become a contributor and to do your part within this church. You see, I have a vision for this church. I got a huge, God has placed in me a desire for great things to happen. You'll see out here um, Here shortly, we're going to have our cafe, it'll be open soon. I'm very excited about that. You know, you take ownership. You own these chairs, this carpet. You own this building. You know, I, I was looking at my house, as I was studying this, I was looking through my house and I was saying, how do I treat my home being that I'm an owner of it? Well, when I go around, I see something needs to get done, guess what? I do it. We go after it. This is your place. You see a piece of paper on the ground, pick it up and throw it in the trash can. Don't complain about who didn't clean this week. Do something. Yeah. Praise me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Let's do something. You know, I <laughs> get myself in trouble on that one. I drive by on this right side of the church every day. That's where I live back in here. From day one when I came to this church, August the 13th, 2007, I looked at that field. I remember walking through. Actually, July the 13th, 2007, I came here to visit this church and to see if y'all wanted me and to see if I wanted you <laughs> as a youth pastor. And I walked through, and, and uh, that evening, the council before the service voted me in to be the youth pastor. And I sat, I was talking to my mom and dad on my cell phone, and I was looking out this door. And I seen that big field. And while I was talking about it, this vision just came to me of this multi-purpose building. You've heard me mention it many times. And I have not lost that vision. I believe the greatest days of this church are ahead of us and not behind us. I believe what God has in store for us moving forward is far greater than what you've ever experienced in the past. I know great things happen in Poplar Street and whatever street else, okay? But I know great things are happening now and in the future, and God's got bigger and better things in store for you as a church. We need to take ownership of these things. Second thing is, develop my relationship with godly friends. Have a set of godly friends. Here's how you know that they are godly. Being around them makes you more godly. That's a challenge, isn't it? Think about that. Let me me refrain that now. When your friends are around you, are you making them more godly? It goes both ways, doesn't it? Are they making you more godly and are you making them more godly? That's something to think about. Something to resonate within you. Watch this. Acts chapter 2 verse 44. All the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. Next Sunday, I think it's next Sunday, we have our life group signups. And we're kicking them off March the 4th. You know how this church is going to get bigger? Getting smaller. That's how it's going to grow. These life group ministries are going to be very important moving forward for this the growth of this church. It's going to be essential. And I'm asking you, and know, I'm you know, prayfully consider it, but. You, you want to be around godly people? We're going to give you an opportunity to do just that. We need a place where we are all comfortable enough to take that mask off, so to speak. You're all wearing a mask. There's certain things about you you're hiding. But you need to understand something. That mask can't always stay on or it will kill you. There's moments where you need to have accountability within your life. Third thing is develop relationships, my relationships with a team. Be a part of a team here at the church. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 8 through 9 says this. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor daughter, or excuse me, son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Coming together, being a team, doing something. Laboring what God wants us to do, fulfilling what? The Great Commission. Then the last thing as I come to a close this morning is this develop my relationship with God. And that's the most important. In your relationships, develop the one with God first. Um, Have you ever imagined what it would be like if you all went, if you went all in? Think about that. If you went all, I've been in ministry now 19 years. I've noticed something about people during those years, and that is this: people try. People try. Watch, I'm a huge O's fan. They could lose every game of the. I'm sorry, they could. Well, you're Yankee fans. So I'm really sorry for y'all. All right, they could lose every game of the year. Guess what's going to happen? I'm still going to sit there. I'm still going to root them on. Nothing's going to change. Why? Because I'm all in. I'm not trying to be a fan. I am a fan. I'm all in. This past week I was looking at they released the schedule and or or or, you know when you could go to the games and I'm sitting there talking to my wife, all right, where where are we going? When we going? When we going? She's trying to push it away. I'm like, no, where are we going? When we going? Where we going? Why? Because I'm all in. I want to be a participant. I want to be there. I love it. They could win the World Series and I pray they do this year. Or they could go, oh, and 162. I pray they don't. But it doesn't matter. I'm still going to be all in. I think we need to take that attitude and have it with God too, don't you? We need to be all in when it comes to him. Oftentimes we are triers. Triers when it's a relationship with God. Well, if things are fitting and if it's, you know, convenient for me and it's a season where, yeah, I could allow God to be a part of my life. You know, We become triers and the first thing, something doesn't go right. Next thing you know, church attendance becomes a lack. And next thing you know, we're not participating. Next thing you know, who knows? Let's go all in this year. We're closing out this message series, first things first. Let's let God be the first of everything. I'm going to read this scripture. You can stand with me. i want to read the scripture in Jeremiah 29 and 13. It's really cool sums everything up, so sums it all up. It says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. So who's ready to look for God wholeheartedly?